0: Congratulations, you've made it to the honor roll. I'm Chris Dunn, and I'll be introducing you to the people who make Fayette County Public Schools excellent. Our district annually ranks among the best in both the state of Georgia and nation academically, and we want to shine the spotlight on everyone who helps our students thrive. Behind every successful school day is a team of people worthy of recognition, and they each have their own story to tell. Join us as we dive in and learn about their journeys, their inspirations, and their whys on the honor roll.
1: Welcome to the honor roll, please introduce yourself. Hey, appreciate you having me. Uh, My name is John Michael Nickerson. I'm a health and physical education teacher here at Sandy Creek High School, and I am also the boys head basketball coach.
2: Thanks for being here, let's uh, jump right in. Um, Tell us about your early life, uh, where you grew up and went
0: to school.
1: Early life, I was born in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, raised in Millbrook, Alabama, went to Stanhope Elmore High School in Millbrook. Um, I would say it's a suburb of Montgomery um a lot of people that live at maxwell air force base live in millbrook and that that part of uh alabama but uh just grew up single month single mother household my my father passed away when i was uh, seven years old um he was drinking and driving so uh she grew up raising me and two of my other brothers so three boys on her own and uh it's pretty much the identity of created me who i am today
2: talk about going to school um did you I know you went to college later on. Mm-hmm. Did, you, um, did you go to pro sports right out of high school?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was drafted uh, by the Florida Marlins um, uh, straight out of high school in baseball. Um, I was supposed to go to Jacksonville State to go play. Uh, I was supposed to go play basketball and baseball at Jacksonville State. It was going to be dual sport, um, and uh, I got drafted. Um, I if, I think, looking back, if I would have had a father in my life that would have been really guiding me, and uh, I think I would have gone to college. But, um, you know, my mom didn't know much about sports. She was always the mom saying, you just better be better than everybody, and uh, whatever you decide, I'm going to support you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really advice, but it was always just support. And uh, I didn't really have strong advice, and uh, I think uh, uh, I rolled with it, but it actually uh, really benefited me down the road with where I'm at in my career today.
2: Gotcha. So what, what position did
1: you play in baseball? I was a left-handed pitcher um, when I played professionally. Uh, uh, obviously 6'6". I had a real loose arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really durable, very low maintenance, no injuries. I could bounce back real quick. And uh, my, my, my ball played faster than what I threw. I was always like 87 to 92, but it played out of my hand uh, a lot faster because I had a real loose arm. I had you know, probably – a major league slider, but uh, my accuracy and like ability to locate early on, I was still trying to find that rhythm. One out of every five starts, you could count on me playing catch <laughs> with the backstop instead of the catcher. <laughs> One out of every five, you, you never knew what you was going to get. I was pretty inconsistent.
2: So how long did you play uh, minor league
1: ball? I played for three seasons. Um, I went into, uh, which would have been my fourth, it would have been my third full season mm-hmm. of baseball, uh but my fourth season, um and I was go- I, I pretty much went into it knowing I was gonna voluntarily retire is what they call it. But I, I was just I was I was ready to move on to something else and I wanted to try college basketball before I got too old. Yeah, right. So I was twenty one years old. Um I'd fell, fallen out of love with it. I, I think I'd battled some depression with it, some anxiety for sure. Mm-hmm. Um my first baseball season I was real successful. I pitcher of the month uh, i was the youngest pitcher of the month in the organization uh, in history i threw a complete game no hitter against the braves um and uh it was it was a memorable rookie season but uh after that after that uh off season something happened mentally with me and uh i never recovered from it i think it was just a love for basketball i, could, I couldn't get it out of my head and I
2: think a lot of people don't realize how tough life as a minor league baseball player is. Oh, I mean, you're getting paid peanuts. It's You're not traveling first class. You're on buses. You're in little town after little town.
1: Dude, I could, I could speak for uh, two hours about why 18-year-olds do not need to be playing professional baseball. Um, you have to have such a strong circle to uh, just be able to stay afloat in professional sports at that age. Um, again, I didn't have a father, man. So I was so emotionally immature. Mm-hmm. I was, I just wasn't prepared for that level of per, uh, business. The egos, mm-hmm. the egos in a baseball locker room, when you're walking around, you're, you're in locker rooms with dudes who this dude signed for $5 million and is driving to escalate. This dude signed for 3 million. This dude signed for 500,000. And when you're talking about dudes that young, that talented with that amount of money, obviously the ego inflates and I didn't enjoy being around egos that large, and it, that also drove me to just be like, "Man, I want out of this. Man, this isn't what I signed up for." Because my experience with high school baseball was so pure,
2: Right. especially being a pitcher, it's a more <laughs> isolated position.
1: Yeah, uh, and you you only get to play one out every five days. So the other four days, if you don't pitch well, I'm this I'm this 19 year old, and I didn't pitch well one start. Well, I got to wait four more days and. <laughs> There's only so much you can do as a pitcher. You can't. You're gonna overthrow yourself if you continue to work too much. Uh, you know, cardio and lifting and stuff like that. But you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs a lot, and you can get in your own head a lot, and, and yeah. you know, it creates a, a mental disturbance for sure. And I didn't handle it well.
2: And before we get back to basketball, who was the best best player you faced?
1: Oh man, I, dude! uh the best player I faced. Uh, which I did pretty well against him when we did play, we were both 18, we got drafted at the same time, was Matt Kemp that played with the Dodgers back in the day. Yeah. I I owned the Dodgers. Yeah. Let's put it like that. I dominated them. <laughs> he's
2: what, Kemp's one of those guys I've seen him in person, man, he's a big dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he. We, you know, we came up together. We were both eight to 18 years old, I believe. I think he got drafted out of high school the same year I did. So, uh, I didn't look at him at like that until, mm-hmm. you know, whenever he got big, I was like, dang, I used to, I used to get you out all the time, bro. I, sh- I could be there too, but you know, life t- life takes its turns, you know.
2: So let's. Um, so then you, you talked a little bit about you wanted to try out basketball, um, but
1: while you're still young,
2: what is it about the sport of basketball that appealed to you as a player?
1: Um, I really broke out. Uh, I w- I was always good at basketball in YMCA leagues and stuff like that. It took me about my freshman and sophomore years. It took those were two adjustment years. My junior year, I had a good season. My senior year in high school that's when i really broke out and i developed this confidence this inner belief in myself like oh you're good and then uh after i after high school i was playing in rec rec gyms rec leagues uh pickups and i continued to get bigger stronger i was jumping higher and i was just like dude you're you're still getting better and you're not even working hard at it and uh i always wanted i always knew i wanted to coach basketball when i was young but uh when I kept getting better, it just the seed planted. When I, I mean, I was catching oops on kids and stuff like that. And when that seed starts, you know, okay. manifesting itself, man, you just it, it was spiraling out of control, man. I, and I had to address it because I just I love the game too much. I, and I wanted to experience that that thrill of college basketball and the energy of March Madness or something like that.
2: You left, lefty shooter too?
1: Yeah, everything about I me's mean, lefty. There's zero things I do this right handed.
2: So it's the, with some height and a lefty shooter, that's kind of got to be kind of a matchup problem for some defenses too.
1: Yeah, I mean everybody's like, "Don't let him go left. Don't let him go left." And they, they, they still can't stop you because they're not used to guarding it. Uh, rarely used to get my shot blocked because you know everybody's just so used to trying to block right-handers. And uh, there's definitely there's definitely something there about being left-handed that is that helps you on the basketball court.
2: Any particular player that your game was like that you modeled it after?
1: I always. Um, So my inspiration basketball wise, while it fell in love with it, was Charles Barkley. Um, Nothing similar about him as far as our game, uh, other than just trying to be a versatile forward. Um, But the person I used to love, the two people I used to love watching was Lamar Odom. He was a lefty, six ten. You know, came from Rhode Island, uh, played with the Lakers and won a couple championships with them. But Manu Ginobili also. So I I was just always trying to be crafty. uh, Obviously, be unselfish, know how to pass, defend. But be versatile as a forward, somebody with size. <clears throat> what was the What
2: was the highlight of your uh, college playing days at Kennesaw State? I
1: say, I would say individually, the highlight was a, a buzzer beater I had against uh, South Carolina Upstate. Um, they we had the ball, a couple seconds left. It was a tie game, or it was a tie game, or something like that. And they gave me the ball with like five, six seconds left, and I just isolated on the elbow. They cleared everybody out, and I just made a move, and I. Uh, made a move on my defender and weak side defender who was seven four came over. It was this German kid tried to block it, and it just little little uh, baby hook shot went right over his right over his reach and game winner. Yeah,
2: there's just something about special about March Madness. There's just electricity in the air.
1: So this is another aspect. There's so many variables of why I quit baseball. This was another thing of why I quit because when I went into spring training and mm-hmm. late February, early March, that's when March Madness was happening. So the, the thing I was – if, and if you know spring training baseball, it's so boring. It sucks. Um, it's not fun. Um, and March Madness, the thing you're falling in love with, is happening at the same right. moment. So the, your job, which you're not having fun with, and the thing you want to do, which is at the pinnacle, yeah. it's just – it was mixing in and driving me crazy.
2: And so um, did you go – so after your college career is over, did you go straight into coaching?
1: yeah i mean i was i was uh twenty six twenty seven years old i was engaged to get married i had the opportunities to go play um overseas mm-hmm. um but i had i had um i had ankle injuries i had i had injuries in my heels i had like three hydrocodon shots in my uh in my heels um i forget the injury they call it it'll hit me in here in a sec but i was battling those my whole senior year and i was just like Man, I'm we were getting married. I was like, I'm ready to move on with my career. So I started off at Excel Christian okay. up in Cartersville.
2: Gotcha. And then, uh, so who's your inspiration?
1: My inspiration is my mother. Mm-hmm. I think um, anytime I just uh, think about somebody who was there for me, like she always made sure we were getting to every practice. We weren't those kids who she wouldn't use her being a single mom as an excuse for us to miss a practice. She'd have a ride lined up, somebody would, pick us up drop us off if she couldn't make it but she just used to tell me and this is one this is one reason why i don't have any sympathy uh for kids like you know especially ones that have two parents in the house fighting for their playing time Is like hey man like i didn't have a father p- politicking for me mm-hmm. like my mom always used to say you better make the all-star team because you're better because there's gonna there's all these kids are gonna have their fathers involved you're gonna have to be better than them and uh so she's my inspiration um uh she just raising three boys with a full time job uh it's not easy you know i mean she
2: raised three boys she
1: stormed out the house so many times she's like i 'm just going on <laughs> on a walk like i mean' like it was we we put it through it man we yeah. we weren't we weren't- we weren't bad kids like you know we weren't out drinking and smoking and doing you know yeah. doing but we were wild yeah. we 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 were typical boys we were out in the yeah. neighborhoods clowning doing stupid stuff you know and uh we weren't we weren't angels. That's for sure. Did
2: you have a lot of fierce sports battles with your brothers?
1: Oh yeah, definitely definitely fist thrown because you know we tackled too hard or <laughs> you know just somebody lost and we just kept bullying the person about you know by them losing. But yeah, we've had we've had some crazy sports battles. Some some definite nights in the emergency room going to get stitched up and <laughs> stuff like that. Playing. So
2: where where are you in the order of brothers?
1: I'm the middle one. Okay. I'm the middle one, so I, I was. Not love the most and not love the least.
2: <laughs> so that probably played a role in toughening you up, too, for, for sports. Like, I mean, at the house, you're having a battle with them every
1: day. Yeah, man. Uh, My older brother's four years older than me, so, you know, he, that's that day development-wise where he, you're never going to beat him. He's too big. And so he would always beat me up and push me around and stuff like that. So that's toughening you up. But at the same time, I'm getting my confidence up because I can beat up on my little brother. <laughs> You know, so I, I had it. I had it good both ways.
2: Yeah, and so it. It's also kind of plays into like your family with your own team. You kind of learn those dynamics of working together.
1: Well, uh I was lucky too. Is uh, you know, everybody talks about these days how kids don't get out in the neighborhood as much. Man, my neighborhood, man, we had a great crew, man. We would get full blown like, and I lived on nine acres too. My 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 mom's house is on flat grass, nine acres, and we have. We had baseball field, we had football field we created and stuff like that. And man, we played everything, rugby. Yeah. We were just creative, man, and riding our bikes all over the neighborhood, man. We had a great neighborhood crew and we had some fierce, fierce games. Basketball tournaments, everything. It was it was it was I had an awesome childhood.
2: And that's really where it starts. If you can find the love for just competition at a young age, man, there's there's no repl- there's no replacement for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just growing up on garden hose water, man. Yeah, uh, I, I had my kids drink out of garden hose water the other day, and uh, out of garden hose, and they're like, "Is this safe?" I'm like, "Man, bro, <laughs> yes. This is, this is how I grew up, bro. Like, <laughs> and, you know, you're just trying to educate a man that, uh, you know,
2: garden hose, and then like the special treat you get those little freezer pops every now.
1: <laughs> those are the best, but but you got to go back outside with them. <laughs> you know,
2: yeah. Um, any particular coaches early on that made a mark on
1: you? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say any personal individual coach. Uh, I do I do have a coach that I'm close with now. He he really helped me my junior year high school, and I I think helped him propel me to take my game to the next level. And that was Charlemagne Gibbons, who is actually uh he's a Gainesville High School coach. He's a Gainesville High School coach now, and over uh, on the other side of Atlanta, and uh, he was at Newton. Coach Stefan Castle, who's now at UConn. We had uh, him
2: a year locally at uh, Starsville.
1: Yep, you? yep. He was uh, at Starsville for a season or two, yeah. and um, yeah, he he was definitely a mentor of mine growing up.
2: Gotcha. Um, so, what kind of coach are you?
1: Whew. I would say I am a combination of being an old school, traditional coach. Uh, this, like, I coach my guys hard, but at the same time. Uh, I'm a player's coach. I, I let them play with a lot of freedom. We put in a bunch of concepts, um, and whenever I make a decision as a head coach, I always try to put myself in their shoes, and I'm say, and I ask myself, is this a decision that you would want your coach to make for you as a as a 17, 18 year old player? You know, and if if I can answer that yes, then that's something I do for my players. If I say no, that's 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 not right. Then I then I won't.
2: And so, how did it feel to finally get
1: that state title? Man, I feel like I got a piano off my back, bro.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, dude, there's no, there's no mistake we should have more than one here. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We don't. And uh, I, I, I do, I do know. I while I say I, I feel like I got a piano off my back, yeah, there was pressure. But at the same time, I was, I'm getting to the stage of my life, maturity-wise, where I'm not letting that stuff bother me. I, I could, I could care less what fans, parents, uh, critics, media says about what we've done here. Oh, can't believe you didn't want a state championship with an NBA player and stuff like that. Well, uh, you know what, man? A, a great coach told me who doesn't have a state championship in 7A, he, he said, hey, man, you you won't be the last big, uh, big upset ever in basketball. You know, we, we, we got upset the previous year. And I just I just remember that from a coach, coaching friend, and I appreciated it, you know. Yeah. It happens. That's why we compete.
2: And so uh talk about NBA guy. How cool was that having one of your guys go top five in the NBA draft?
1: Man, it is uh it, it really is a once in a lifetime experience mm-hmm. for a public school head coach to have somebody who is a one and done um with the with the ceiling, I mean, he has a, obviously has the potential to be a multi-time All Star, in my opinion, All Defensive Player of the Year, t- stuff like that. He was so talented, but the thing, it, it gives you such great credibility with the next crop of kids too. be Like, hey man, if this place was good enough for Jabari Smith, if Jabari Smith could make every workout and not go to uh, you know his own individual training stuff, then I'm pretty sure yeah. it's good enough for you. You know, so. It, he, he's so humble, man, and he was great with uh, his teammates. And he obviously could have left for a bigger yeah. prep school or something like that. But just the the humbleness and keeping your roots here at Sandy Creek, it's just it's something I will never forget. I'll be on my deathbed telling my grandkids stories about how humble he was and stories about Jabari in, in the hallways and on the, on the floor.
2: Whenever I talk about Jabari Smith, the, the, story, <coughs> the story I love to tell people is the first time I was coming here to do a feature story on him and he was about half an hour late, but it's because he was volunteering at a soup kitchen. Mm. So, like, that tells, you, that tells you about him. Like, it, he, he had his priorities in, in order already.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, with his his pops being in the NBA, the, the one thing Jabari and his family continue to do, right, is they keep his circle small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you see from stuff like that, like, his circle's small, they make, they're making him do stuff that's going to make him a good human being. Which is going to just propel him in basketball he he understands complimenting his teammates and being a good teammate and but at the same time knowing how to take over and be the alpha uh it, it's you know some people are alphas, but they don't know how to be it, and mm-hmm. they're disliked well, he knows how to be both you know he knows how to be well liked hard working be the example, but also yeah. i'm the man i'm the alpha I'm the top of the totem pole and uh,
2: on the other end of the spectrum, uh, how cool is it to have? players come back and want to be on your coaching staff that that shows you you must have made a a positive impact
1: yeah it definitely feels good because you feel like you did something right but um to have cam miller who graduated in 2018 on this staff who is my first ever player coach or former player that's coaching with me it, it just provides so much uh it, it provides so much help with being able to bridge the gap between me and the player. so he can he can kind of translate mm-hmm. the real meaning because you know people love screwing the context up of a message, you mm-hmm. know the way they perceive stuff and messes stuff up. But he's such a great bridger, and he's obviously a great, he's a great coach too. He he really helps with our development, man. I really think he was a difference maker with us in that championship year. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, you can just kind of, there's certain players and coaches like. They just have, like, a palpable energy. Oh,
1: yeah, man. He was like that as a player, dude. Every day he walked down those stairs to, to practice or play, it was volume to the max. Mm-hmm. It went from zero to 100 uh, real quick. And it, it, he's, he's like – he he brings the same energy as a coach, man. And, and I, actually, there's days where I don't want to be there coaching. I, I'm down there coaching, and I'm like, man, I can't wait for this 90 minutes to be up, dude. I'm ready to go home. I want to lay on the couch, do whatever. Uh, be with my family but he'll do something loud and I'll just start laughing I'm like, dang, man, you getting me up too, bro." Yeah. And and I look at I looked at him one time last year. I'm like, "Man, you are the direct reason why I got involved in this like I, I cuz I wasn't here mentally, you know? So, he's pushing me as long as I'm, as well as me trying to push our guys.
2: And um uh, when you're not teaching and coaching, what what do you like to do?
1: <clears throat> I love I'm actually a father who loves being with my kids and my family and my wife. Uh, I love spending time with my family. Um, I love playing football in the yard with them. Wiffle ball. We go out. We go out on the court in the driveway playing King of the Mountain one on one. We play. We play football in the living room right in front of my wife, trying to enjoy a <laughs> cup of coffee. We don't care. We're, we're tackling each other, and uh, Lincoln's crying because I accidentally hit him too hard. <laughs> Um, you know I, I don't golf or nothing. I enjoy watching UFC a lot. I love martial arts because while some people are like it's barbaric, it's too yeah. violent there is actually a beauty in it and it's, it's, it's high level chess with yeah. uh, really intense consequences. So I enjoy stuff like that. It helps get my mind off of basketball man because you know as a competitor and somebody who's in love with basketball man, your mind can just go 24/7. It's hard to turn it off. so I've really had to learn some techniques to do it and also like reading. I, you know I, I try to read one book a week i love reading it help it just it's it's my escape
2: yeah cuz if you if you're 24/7 basketball you're going to burn out
1: oh yeah man and uh you're going down the rabbit hole of rabbit hole i mean it's just not i don't think it's mentally healthy mm-hmm. and you know with you know with everything in the world going on there this always seems like there's some crisis or nationally worldwide going on it's uh there's so many more things important than basketball and uh I've I've gotten to the point where basketball was I would say almost in in front of my family. It was number one. Well, I've reversed it and I got my priorities right, man. I've got family first, then basketball. You know.
2: And it's got to be nice having having your family be able to be at the games and, and watch you and celebrate with you in the in the big moments.
1: Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's real special, man. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's something. I got I just got some canvases put up of our family from the state finals, and it's uh, it's something I'll never forget for sure.
2: It's like your kids someday, they may, may not realize how special it is, but like I think 20 years from now they'll look like, wow, I was there with Jabari Smith. I was, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. So. That's
1: that's why I look at my wife all the time. I'm like, they have no idea like what being like what they were truly around night in night out, the mm-hmm. greatness and. The, the the work ethic and just the commitment to excellence. Stink, my oldest, he's he's eight years old. He's in second grade. He he he's pretty mature for eight year old. He mm-hmm. can he can truly I think he truly comprehends it a little bit. The five year old he, he still has no clue. He yeah. sees and he thinks he's just some whatever. And yeah. I'm like, or you got you don't have a clue, man. Like one day you're gonna be like, dang, I was I was around something really special.
2: It's mm-hmm. it's just fun for. There's so many good lessons that a kid can pick up being around a team like learning to work together and how all these different personalities can come together to create something pretty special.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we've had so many great leaders here, uh, you know, with your Cam Miller's, your Jared Godfrey's, uh, you know, TJ Bickerstaffs, and Jabari's obviously Mm -hmm. Micah Smith is Micah Smith is the player right now. He's definitely rivaling, uh, Jabari as one of the best leaders every single day he shows up. And for me, To have my children Mm -hmm. courtside, like they're at practices with me, and they're watching Micah learn how to lead, it's it's just invaluable, man. It's it's lessons they don't even know they're picking up, and they're they're seeing they're picking up the intricacies of how hard these guys work, like the Jared Weiss and Amari Browns, and but they're picking up Micah's leaderships and stuff, and they're just it's it's going to make my job trying to help them in their sports careers way easier. And
2: now. We'd like to wrap up here with
1: uh, the question we ask everybody is, What's your why? Man, uh, I've thought about this, and uh, the, we obviously could go on for an hour about why my why is, but before family, my why was just pure, my pure love of the game. Back in my high school, I, had a, I actually used to go back and see my high school coach, but he wasn't a great tactician as far as like X's and O's. Like, he didn't really know how to teach you the game. He could get you in great shape, and he was a great man. He was a great person. But as far as, like, teaching me the game, not so much. And uh, I always knew there was a lot more to basketball. Uh, and I, I wanted to be that bridge between kids and the game and, like, really take their IQs to the next level. So that was my why, man. Uh, I just knew I could have, I, I should have been getting a little more. I didn't know what it was. But as I got older and, I, you know, when I went to Memphis to GA, I really learned a lot there and then full-time at IUPUI. I took my IQ to the – it helped me take my IQ to the next level and just being able to share that knowledge with kids. the be, One of the best things ever is, like, kids texting you and they're like, man, I'm I, I'm understanding what I'm seeing on these NBA games now, like, with this tag uh, and just this rotation and stuff like that. They're seeing the game different, and that's that's the stuff I love the most is when they – the light yeah. switch is starting to turn on for them.
2: Yeah, I think the average fan just sees, you know, the crazy athleticism they don't appreciate like, it. A, it's a chess match.
1: yeah. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's a lot more going on with it. Uh, and that's one thing I tell our parents and fans a lot, and I even tell the players, I'm like, hey, man, what we're working on in practice is very complex. Like, we're running a system with a lot of freedom that I want it to look like college and NBA-type flow and offenses, but when you're working with 15-, 16-, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids, like, it's not always going to look like that. But we still got to live with with the result in the game and then – go readdress it in practice you know and it's just always a game of uh trying to improve from one performance to the next and that's that's i still get a i still you know get get a rise out of that and trying to get better at that
2: thank you so much for taking time to speak with us
1: yeah man i appreciate it man i appreciate the opportunity chris
0: This has been an official podcast of Fayette County Public Schools. For more stories from our district, visit us online at fcboe.org, where you can also find links to our social media channels. If you know someone you would like to see featured on a future episode, email us at dun.chris at fcboe.org, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you for joining us on the honor roll. Class dismissed.